Thank you, Brother Bernie. And uh, folks, it's lovely to see you out tonight on this record-breaking day of heat. Uh, it's only 45 degrees more than what we had over in Ireland when we were over there a few weeks ago, but uh, we can suffice with that. Okay, look, uh, tonight uh, we're going to study the attributes of a man of prayer. Uh, perhaps one of the greatest examples in all of our Bible, and of course that is Daniel. Uh, Daniel was carried away into captivity by the Babylonians, and throughout his 70 years in captivity, he was consistent in all that he did, especially in prayer. When the apostle Peter was in Babylon, it seems that he knew the history of the Jews. And of course, he knew the history of Daniel. He would have been well acquainted with the different trials and tribulations that Daniel endured. So it's interesting that in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter warns them, and of course us, of the satanic attack of the evil one. And he describes him as a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. This would have been something that every Jewish person uh, would have been taught, especially in regarding to Daniel and the den of lions. Now, don't make the mistake of saying the lion's den. The liberals say Daniel was in the lion's den. He could have been in there with no lions in the lion's den. Daniel was in a den of lions. There were lions there, okay? And Peter uses that situation to paint a picture, if you like, of what the devil is trying to do to God's children today. In Daniel chapter 1, please turn there just for a second. In Daniel chapter 1, just want to read a couple of verses from there. We're looking at Daniel as a man of prayer. In Daniel chapter 1, we read that Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were children. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5. And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. Boy, that's quite a list uh, for these young people to be involved in. Knowledgeable, understanding science, had to have a good countenance and so forth, uh, and whom uh, they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Verse 6, and among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so these three young people were called in before this eunuch and they had to train for three years three years nourishing them up now that would make them most commentators believe that these young people would have been 15 16 17 years of age and at daniel's death which was approximately 70 years later after the captivity daniel would have been somewhere around 85 90 years of age so, he did live, live a long life, uh, mostly in captivity 
in Babylon. Now, the Babylonian regime that had carried him into captivity had been replaced by the Medo-Persian Empire. But the new administration also recognized the worth of this veteran Jewish prophet. The light of integrity that had burned so brightly for so long through his early years had not dimmed. His convictions had remained the same. They had not been diluted. And his holy life had not been tainted. Even the aged queen gave a wonderful testimony in relation to Daniel. If you turn to Daniel chapter 5, Daniel chapter 5 and verse 10 through 12. Just now the queen, by reason of words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, and let not thy countenance be changed. Remember, Belshazzar uh, had a big feast with all his princes, with all his lords, and they brought out the, uh, the cups and the treasures from uh, the temple and so forth and were drinking from within them. And uh, the queen has given this testimony. Uh, uh, Belshazzar uh, was shaking. He was quaking. He saw the writing on the wall. And he said, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom of whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. Whom the king, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit knowledge and understanding interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts was found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation so the queen had quite a testimony of this man and this is all by way of background so there was no doubt uh, as to Daniel's consistency. For 70 years, he had been consistent. And we just need to ask ourselves, as Christians, are we consistent regardless of the situation we find ourselves in? You know, some Christians, and you'd be known to you as well, are up and down like the weather, you know, because of situations in their lives. Ought not to be like that. Consistency in Daniel's life. But you know, he was consistent and he held very faithfully to all his convictions, all the trials that he went through over 70 years. But there was opposition. There's always opposition, folks, when you remain steady. There's always opposition when you try to hold the fort. There's always opposition when you stick with the stuff, isn't there? There's always opposition when you are consistent. And then we see the conspiracy. Now, if you're collecting these C's, we've looked at convictions very quickly. We're going to look at consistency in a minute. But conspiracy, chapter four, or chapter 6 and verse 4. 
Now, I need to get through this fairly quickly, so hopefully I'm not rushing it too quickly. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So they tried to conspire against him, uh, because Daniel was promoted over them. And this caused jealousy, this caused envy among his government colleagues. And I'm sure you have seen that down over the years. Even as a Christian, you would get uh, jealousy and envy. I love that little chorus. We used to sing it when we were young. Maybe some of the young ones know it. Get them out, get them gone. All little rabbits in the fields of corn. Envy, jealousy, malice and pride. They must never in my heart abide. And that is very true. So envy, jealousy. Song of Solomon 8 verse 6 says, Jealousy is cruel as the grave. And Proverbs 14.30 says, Envy is the rottenness of the bones. And isn't that true? Especially today, that when we see people who are against fundamental Christians, and there's a lot out there who are envious and jealous of what we have. Now, resentment was gnawing away within these presidents and these princes, and they went to all lengths to bring Daniel down. And uh, this is a very similar resentment to Joseph's brothers. Joseph's hated him. Then they hated him yet the more. And then on further, uh, it says, and they hated him yet the more. So that's yet the more than the more. So he was well hated by his brothers. There was resentment. There was jealousy. There was uh, envy and anger against him. And so resentment was gnawing away within these presidents. were trying everything to bring Daniel down. So this conspiracy went on for some time. And again, in Peter, verse First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 it says, now remember, Peter was in Babylon, read uh, uh, the epistle of Peter. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all even speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere mortal of the word. Perhaps again he was thinking of Daniel and all the opposition that came against Daniel. He was in Babylon. He was there preaching the word of God. He was teaching. He was setting up churches. And here he was speaking to these people, said, Beware of the devil. You know, he walks about as a roaring lion. Thinking back to Daniel. Perhaps again thinking of Daniel with the, the malice and the guile and so forth. These other presidents, uh, uh, instituted, if you want, or initiated what we would call today a witch hunt. A witch hunt. Uh, the princes uh, were also involved. Uh, but these 122 men could not find anything against Daniel. I just thought, well, how would we stand up? Uh, how would we stand up if uh, 122 of our associates tried to find some 
dirt against us, tried to say, find something that was unworthy of Christ in our lives, tried to find something that was not right as far as our profession of faith was concerned. All these 122 could not find a thing against Daniel. They would have checked in his financial dealings. They would have checked to see if he was honest or otherwise. Maybe they'd check to see if there was some maladministration. Oh, the king's getting too much money. I'll put a little bit away in Switzerland somewhere, keep something for myself, and maybe maladministration, whatever the case might be. Maybe he was taking bribes. Daniel, here's some money. Make sure that I get this, that, or the other. But nothing was found out in Daniel's life. He was above reproach. Uh, The man of God was totally transparent, we would say. Honest to the nth degree. He was neither careless nor crooked. And in an age when many were dishonest and hypocritical, Daniel stood out as one in a million. Folks, how would we measure up in these days? Would we be able to open up our tax returns, open up our Bibles, or open up our uh, hymn books, or open up our diaries, and open up every little secret book that we have, and would it pass the test? You know, they try to distract discredit Daniel and even in his religious life look at verse 5 of chapter 6 then said these men we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel so they kept searching and searching when they knew that he was a man above reproach he says except we find it against him concerning the law of his God and of course they could not fault any of that either but what they did was something underhanded. In verse 7 it tells us that they went to the king. And says, this is what they said to the king. All the presidents, now Daniel was not there, so that's a lie from the start. All the presidents of the kingdom and governors and the princes and counselors and the captains have consulted together uh, to establish a royal statute. So, and to make a, a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days save of the O king he shall be cast into the den of lions and here we have these men going behind daniel's back uh, with this conspiracy what a terrible situation but daniel was consistent how much or, or should i say How little does it take to keep us from praying? You see, verse 10 tells us that Daniel, let me read it. Verse 10 tells us that Daniel still continued consistently. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, see, they flattered the king. They came in with this decree, and the king signed it. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, And his windows being opened in the chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now Daniel was not trying to make a statement here. He was not just trying to embarrass the king. He was not just going to do this because he said, well, I'll show them what to do. No, the word of God says that it was his habit. It was his hap. This was something he happened to do every day as he did 
aforetime. This was his routine, folks. He went to prayer three times a day. And regardless of the situation, even when death knocks at the door, Daniel was consistent. How consistent would we be? If the army walked in here tonight and says, okay, all those who do not want to pray get out, but all those who want to pray stay, and you'll get shot. How would we react to a situation like that? This is virtually what is happening. Those who disobeyed the king were going to be thrown into the den of lions, just similar to the firing squad. In fact, even worse, you'll be torn apart by ravaging lions. Okay, so verse 10 says that he did... Uh, as he did aforetime, his routine. Daniel had a time set aside for prayer. And whether things were going well or not so well, Daniel was consistent in going before the Lord in prayer. Doesn't take much to keep us from prayer sometimes. And I'm not here to point the finger or to make people feel embarrassed, but you judge yourself. How much does it take? And it's great, honestly, it's great to see so many out here tonight on 45 degrees. Folks, if you're listening on this DVD thing, whatever it is, uh, 45 degrees here, and we've got half a church, maybe not quite half, but a lot of people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for consistency. Praise the Lord that you endured the heat to come out to the prayer meeting. And praise the Lord, we'll spend some time in prayer and just... A moment. Now Daniel knew that his arrival was signed, and what that meant that uh, he did not. It did not keep him from prayer, because he was a man of prayer. Uh, how do people recognize you? Oh, here comes that religious nut, or oh, here comes that religious guy. He's always talking about the Bible. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I've been called a lot worse than that. I'm sure you have too, especially Andrew over in Israel. Last time I spoke here, I told you I was spat upon. I, I told you that dogs were set on us whenever we were in the doors witnessing for the Lord. But the Lord expects us to be consistent regardless of the challenges, regardless, regardless of what would try to keep us back. See, the old devil is out there walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he could devour you by taking you away from prayer meeting, by taking you away from the church services or whatever. During my time as pastor, I had heard all sorts of excuses, and every pastor will hear that for not coming to church, not coming to prayer meeting. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's easy for some to forsake coming to church. It's easy for them to say, well, well, we can stay at home. But listen, we call ourselves fundamentalists. Let's be fundamental in our coming to church. Amen. Consistent in his prayer life. He knew what was involved, yet he kneeled on his knees three times a day. A man of prayer. Hey, if you want to emulate something, don't emulate the basketball players in America, young folks. Don't emulate the, whoever, Tom, Dick, and Harry in the uh, Bollywood and Hollywood. Hey, emulate Daniel. Emulate Joseph. Emulate some of the men of God that you've met over these months and years. And I must say this. One of the greatest testimonies in my life has been this man here. Mr. Brunken, 
Since I've come here, I've seen him walking up that aisle, firstly with his wife, who has passed in the glory, with their walking sticks, hardly able to carry their books and their Bible, and sitting there Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Thursday evening. What right have I to sit at home? Amen? Amen? What a testimony. I'm sorry I had to say that in front of you, but praise the Lord, you are a great testimony and an encouragement to me and my wife. So I needed to say that. How would you fare under the pressure that Daniel was fearing? Verse 10 tells us, now we'll look at conspiracy. I'm going through quickly. We'll look at consistency. Well, verse 10 talks about the chamber. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber. Now, the word of God tells us that Daniel had a place to pray. It was in his chamber. I would suppose that the Lord would call it the closet. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Maybe this was an upstairs room that he resorted to uh, for times of prayer. The windows being opened indicates that Daniel had nothing to hide. He had nothing to be ashamed of and certainly not afraid of the king's decree. The lesson here is that there was nothing between Daniel and his God. Nothing, absolutely nothing, even a death sentence was not going to keep him from going before his God in prayer. He was not going to allow his prayers to be hindered. Now we haven't got time to go into some of these verses, uh, maybe at another time. But a husband's prayers might be hindered if he has little respect for his wife. 1 Peter 3, 7. A person's prayers might be hindered if they regard iniquity in their heart. Psalm 66, 18. A person's prayers might be hindered if they ask amiss to consume it upon their own lust. James 4, 3. But Daniel opened his windows and prayed to the God in heaven with nothing between. There was nothing that stopped him from going straight into the presence of God. There was no sin in his life. There was nothing he had to come out of the closet about. Everything was open. His life was transparent and he could go straight to God three times a day in prayer. Nothing between. No hindrances. No iniquity. No asking to consume it upon his own lusts. No fear. No shame. And you can turn to verses in relation to all that. May it be that when we go to prayer, that the windows may be open, that we might have a clear sky, as it were, between us and God. There was a conspiracy against him, but he was consistent. He retired to his chamber, his closet, with great conviction. And then verse 10 teaches me about confidence. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. I believe we see when we read these words towards Jerusalem Daniel was laying hold of Scripture. He had the Scripture before him that gave him confidence to go before his God. And folks, we have the whole canon of Scripture in these days. We have the Word of God and all the promises at our disposal. 
wherewithal, wherewithal shall a young man uh, uh, be done with sin and seeking the Lord and his word and so forth. I probably must quote that wrong. But uh, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou hast not known. Uh, watch and pray. Pray without ceasing. There are lots of promises within God's word. But Daniel looked towards Jerusalem. Daniel was laying hold of the promises already laid down in Scripture in his day. He had read the writings of Jeremiah and uh, gave him uh, confidence to go before the God of heaven. Now, some years earlier, approximately 400 years earlier, Solomon in 1 Kings 8, again, we haven't got time to turn to these folks, but 1 Kings 8, verses 44 to 53 uh, over and over again, Solomon says, Hear thy their prayer. He was talking about a future time when the children of Israel would be in captivity and when they would turn to their God. He says, Hear thou their prayer. And so Daniel was laying hold of that exhortation. He was laying hold of Jeremiah's promise because Jeremiah prophesied that the children of Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. And then uh, we have Daniel going to prayer uh, in relation to these promises and exhortations. I believe Daniel had confidence that God would answer Solomon's prayer in hearing his people in exile. But you know, there was lots of others. I only name one. Jonah prayed this prayer while he was in the whale's belly. Do you remember? Jonah chapter 2 verse 4 says this. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again towards thy holy temple. How did he do that, brother, when he was in the whale's belly? He was looking towards the holy temple, looking towards Jerusalem and so forth. Again, that word again comes up and it indicates that even Jonah had a prayer life. He would come before the Lord in prayer. These men were able to anchor their prayers in the scriptures and thus claim the blessing. Daniel did this when he laid hold of the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 25. We'll turn to that one. Jeremiah 25, verses 10 and 11. It says this. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone, and the lights of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. What a prophecy. So here Daniel would have read this, or he would have known about this, or he would have heard this somehow that Jeremiah had said this and then penned it and so he was laying hold of this prophet's prophecy about 70 years in Babylon. And of course Daniel uh, laid hold of God in relation to this and he insisted that the time had come for God to end the captivity. Read chapter 9 verses 1 to 19. All this was based 
on the confidence he had on God's word. Can we go before the Lord tonight in prayer based on the confidence we have on the word of God and the promises that it gives us that he will answer, that he will take care, that he will undertake? Can we go with confidence knowing that God will answer our prayers? Daniel did. What's the difference today? God is immutable. God never changes. God's word has promised. And so when we go to prayer, we ought to go to prayer with the confidence that God will answer our prayers. Daniel was not nervous. He was not agitated when he went to prayer. He was very composed. He nailed down and uh, on his knees three times a day. I hope and pray that when you go to prayer, it's not through a wrong fear of God. Our God is an awesome God. We know that. Our God is a consuming fire. We know that. But we are the children of this loving God. And he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. And we have the confidence that we can have composure in our prayer life. Daniel kneeled down three times a day and prayed and gives thanks as he did aforetime. A man of prayer. He was praying to his God, his all-powerful God. Now, we do not have time to go into the postures in prayer, but Daniel kneeled on his knees, chapter 6, verse 10. Stephen kneeled on his knees, Acts 7, 60. The Lord Jesus kneeled, Luke 22, 41. Solomon kneeled, 2 Chronicles 6, 13. Abraham stood, Genesis 18, 22. David sat, 1 Chronicles 17, 16. Jesus fell on his face, Matthew 26, 39. Kneeling is not a prerequisite for prayer, but it's certainly a sign of respect. It's certainly a sign of reverence. It's certainly a sign of humility. Paul, Acts 20, uh, Paul, Ephesians chapter 3, speaks of uh, humility in prayer. Three times a day speaks of continuance. Continuance, a state of remaining in the operation of your life. Continuation, constantly. Commitment, three times a day, teaches us the importance of regular appointments with God at the throne of grace. And to me, it doesn't matter if you pray once, twice, or three times, or ten times. You need to be consistent. You need to be constant. You need to have that commitment to go before God in prayer. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen says this. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Second Timothy 1.3 says this, Without ceasing, I have remembered of thee in my prayers, night and day. Whether it be Daniel, David, Paul, they all teach us, by example, to avoid the haphazard, a regular approach to prayer. Whether we pray once or twice or three times a day, continuance, consistency, commitment is the thing. In conclusion, Daniel's, his so-called crime, was reported. And it seems that Darius, perhaps with all the legal minds at his disposal, were consulted to try and set him free, but to no avail. Daniel was destined for the den of lions. Uh, the king then made what I believe to be an amazing statement. Thy God, 
whom thy service continually, he will deliver thee. Does the world see that we are serving God continually? Does the world see that our God will answer our prayers? The word I'm thinking about here is continually. This king, King Darius, could see a man with a great testimony whom thy service continually. I believe this included his prayer life. Uh, the one whom Dan, Darius described as thy God in verse 16, Daniel described as my God in verse 22. And his God intervened. Daniel's God intervened and the king's seal could not keep the angel out. But just as the Roman seal could not keep the Lord Jesus Christ in. Doesn't matter if there's a seal to keep you in. And it doesn't matter if there's a seal to keep people out. Our God is above human intervention. Daniel's release from the den of lions, Daniel was released from the den of lions, and the judgment of the king, which was based upon lies and attributed to uh, believing his consorts, uh, Daniel was released. And those who stood against him reaped what they had sown. They and their families suffered the consequences of their sin. Convictions. Consistency, closet, composure, continuance. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, again, we give thee thanks for this short lesson on prayer. We pray, Lord, that each and every one of us might take note of the examples that's been recorded for us within the Word of God. We thank you for men like Daniel, men like Joseph, men like Noah, and many others in the Scriptures who were men of prayer. And Father, in these days, it seems that there is a dearth in the land for prayer. And our Father, we do pray that as a church here, and we're so very thankful for it, a fundamental independent Baptist church that has continuance, that has commitment, that has convictions in relation to prayer, we do pray, Lord, that you might just later on draw us out in true, fervent, believing prayer because we know that avails much in thy sight. We ask thy blessing upon thy word in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. 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 Thank you. 363. Thank you very much.